0: I want to start off with this little statement that was said a long time ago about 1947, and this is how it went. It says, how good is it to know that as you say, all our sins are cast to the bottom of the sea? Now, I agree with that statement. We proclaim that each and every week here at Open Life. As followers of Jesus, we're people who believe in our forgiveness and that we can cast our sins to the bottom of the sea. It's something that we believe in and hope for and proclaim And so these words specifically were spoken in 1947 to a woman named Corey Ten Boom. And so I was reading this book. It was called Seven Women by the author Eric Metaxas. And he's talking about women and their faith and just these awesome women from about the last like 400 years who really changed the way that we look at faith. And so Corey and her family lived in Holland right at the start of World War II. But during the Holocaust, they were a family who would hide Jews in their house so that when the Nazis invaded Holland, that they would not get taken to concentration camps. And so they did this throughout the Holocaust. Well, come th- through, the, through the war, they actually were arrested themselves and sent to concentration camps. And so Corey's father and her sister were actually, they died in the concentration camps over this, and so her sister's name was Betsy, and so it was two years after the war, she, Corey had lived through all of this, but she lost her sister, lost her father, and so just this, like, in this dire moment of her life, she had to decide what she was going to live for. And so after the war, she decided to change her tune. And she said, you know what, I'm going to proclaim God's love, and I'm going to tell people that they need to forgive people when people harm them. And so two years after the war, she's speaking at a church, and a former Nazi soldier comes up to her and said those words that I spoke to you. How good is it to know that all our sins are cast to the bottom of the sea? And so here's an excerpt of her reaction I want to read. It's going to set the tone for today as we talk about forgiveness. And this is what she wrote. And I, who had spoken so glibly of of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging, swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? And so this thrusts us into this theme of the passage that we've been walking through each and every week here at Open Life in this Living in Peace series. It's Romans twelve, eighteen, and it says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Put with a choice to forgive in such a moment as that, I don't know how I would react. I don't know how I would process that or handle that if the person who was my guard at the prison were my sister, and then in another prison where my father died, someone who was for that and was a part of that. I don't know if I'd be able to forgive. But that's what we're talking about today, is forgiveness. That's, this is the culmination of this Living in Peace series, is that we need to walk through and find forgiveness. And so just to recap, if you haven't been here throughout the course of this series, we talked about step one, when, someone, when we're in conflict or someone's wronged us. Step one is to look, is to see if we can make an active decision to overlook the offense. And if we can't, step two is to glorify God by owning 100% of any part of the part of the conflict that I might have in my own life. And then step three is going gently to the person I am in conflict with and talking to them in a way that honors God and gently addresses the issue at hand. And so the step four is what we're talking about today. It's all about forgiveness. How do we come to an agreement and how do we really, like, bring our restoration to our relationship. And so forgiveness is how we open up the possibility of finding reconciliation with the one who is opposing us. And forgiveness is more than just solving a problem. It's about repairing a relationship with those who may have hurt us deeply, may have wounded us. And in the the instance that I talked about right at the beginning here, even when we think people are the cause of our death of our loved ones, there can still be forgiveness in those moments. On one hand, it's how we get on with our lives when we're dealing with hurt, when we're dealing with pain. But on the other, it's how we're going to create peace and look to the future when, we're, when we face situations in our lives where we have to forgive. Jesus emphasized reconciliation in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. He says this when when he's talking about bringing praise and worship and offerings at the temple. He says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And so what if we took Jesus seriously when he told us that? What if we took him at his word and actually thought, you know, I need to actually go to someone who I know is mad at me before I come in and give praise to God or offer my finances to God like we do here at Open Life. What if I need to go and figure out if someone has a beef with me before I'm going to go and praise and proclaim God's forgiveness if I I have not found forgiveness with someone who has a beef with me. This is the problem. Sometimes we look at things that Jesus says in Scripture and we say, that's a great idea, Jesus, totally awesome. We go and praise, but then it doesn't affect the rest of our lives the rest of the week. And so it's easy to read that and think it only is an idea, something to aspire to, but not something that I'm actually going to live with in my own life. But what if we here at Open Life were people, followers of Jesus who said, you know what? I'm actually going to learn what it means to be at peace with one another, and I'm going to let it dictate the decisions I make, the way that I process harm that comes onto me, and the goal that I want in response to those things. And so the big idea today is that forgiveness is the key to repairing relationships. And so a starting point for forgiveness is to understand that all we have been forgiven for from God, this is where we have to start. Is we have to understand that forgiveness comes from God first. That I go to Him and repent of my sin and He forgives me. And I need to understand what that means. Because only then, and as we've been processing through this series, I begin to just think about what forgiveness means. And that the only way I can understand forgiveness is because I know that God has forgiven me. If not for God's forgiveness for me, why would I even need to find forgiveness with someone else? And so it comes back to the diagram on the screen that we've been going back to. And I just want to kind of point some things out really quick. I think it will be on here. Unless I forgot to put it in the slide deck. There it is. Perfect. Um, But so this is what we call the slippery slope. And so on the far left, we have escape responses. We call this peace faking. And then on the right, we have attack responses. And we call this peace breaking. And so in the middle is this kind of plan we've been talking about, the, the four Gs. So today we're on get together. But we talked about go higher, get real, gently engage. And so today we're talking about forgiveness But so many times we assume that forgiveness means sweeping it under the rug. That when we're wronged, we know we're just going to sweep it under the rug and we're going to say this. We oftentimes say this when we're talking to someone. You know, it's okay, I forgive you. And so sometimes I think we need to understand that when someone wrongs us, it's actually not okay. When someone wrongs us, that's never Okay. But so many times we think that forgiveness means that we're justifying their actions. We say, you know what, that's okay, I forgive you. When we actually need to understand that what happened was wrong, and forgiveness is now an action that we're going to walk into and really make some reconciliation happen versus just saying that we're doing. And so when we do that, when we say, it's okay, I forgive you, and then when we just sweep it under the rug, this is peacefaking. This is just making it look like, we've forgiven them, when we actually haven't let it take root in our hearts. But on the other hand, sometimes when something's wrong us, we get to say, you know, it's okay, I forgive you. And then we cut that person out of our lives, and we're actually like violent with our emotions and our words, maybe to them or to people around us who want to hear our story. And then this, this is where it becomes peace-breaking, and we're like attacking in these instances. And so I think what we've been trying to unpack here for the last four weeks is that God has a better way. That if we choose to understand the forgiveness and the love and the peace that God has for us, we can apply that to our lives as well in our relationships. And so it's important to understand that when God has forgiven me, when I repent of my sin, I understand that God's not going to dwell on my offense. That God is not going to bring it up in the future. That God is not going to bring it up with others. And that God will ultimately not let my offense get in the way of my relationship with him. And so it's when I realize this kind of forgiveness, that's when I begin to see, wow, I have a lot of work to do in my forgiveness of other people. But this is the call and the command that we're given in scripture. Ephesians 4.32 says, instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We have been forgiven of so much. We need to forgive others. And so as people, we shout and proclaim of God's forgiveness all the time. Here at Open Life, this is what we're all about, is that anyone can come into a relationship with Jesus. If we repent of our sin, God is faithful to forgive us. And it's even how we pray, how we were taught by Jesus. Matthew 6, 12, as Jesus is teaching on how we are to pray, he says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is supposed to be part of our daily prayers. To continually go before God and say, God, I know you're forgiving me. Help me forgive other people. And so if the forgiveness that we gave other people was the same forgiveness that we received from God, how would our view of God change? If we forgave people in the way that God loves us, the world would change. But so many times we take that forgiveness God gives us and we hoard it for ourselves and we think that everyone else has to change their relationship to kind of fit our lives. And so Jesus, over and over, Paul, as he writes in Scripture, says, No, Christ forgave you. Now go and do likewise and forgive other people. And so today our first question is, what is forgiveness? To understand what forgiveness is, it helps to see what it isn't. And so this is a list from Ken Sandy's book. We've referred to it over and over, over the past few weeks. It's, um, I forget what it's called, Resolving Everyday Conflict, is the name of the book. And so if you want to go more in depth and hear more specific examples of all these things, I encourage you, it's a great reading to add to your reading list or, you know, your devotions. It's a really short book, but... To understand, we have to understand what forgiveness isn't. And so the first thing we want to look at is that forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's an act of the will. And just think about all the times that you've been wrong before. Think about all the times you've been in an argument with someone where someone's come against you. When, is you. You really want to forgive them. You may have wanted peace, but so many times we don't want to do the work of forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's an act of the will. We have to actually choose To forgive, we actually have to figure out what's going wrong in our relationship. And just like we've been talking about the last few weeks, you have to make specific actions in order to forgive someone. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. And in in Isaiah, and this is important to understand because so many times we always say, what do we say? Forgive and forget. Because we think this is how God kind of explains it and how he tells us to do it. But in Isaiah, there's a verse that God says. He doesn't say, I will forget your sins. He will say, I will never, I will not remember your sins. And so it's really important to know the difference. I forget my keys all the time. I'm trying to ghost places, and I have to go search my house. <clears throat> excuse me, every pants pocket, every crack in the couch to try and find my keys. Something that I know I have, I forget where it is. But when we're talking about sin and forgiveness, and we're talking about needs and hurt, how often do I want to forgive or forget that someone hurt me? I will remember that to the day that I die when I've been wronged. That's just how we are as people sometimes. We list off and can remember every time someone's hurt us, wronged us. And so when we say We don't want to forget the sin. That something fades away. But when we're talking about forgiveness, it's an active decision that we make now to say, you know what? I'm not going to let this affect me or I will not remember. And that's how God looks at it when we sin. When we repent of our sin, He's saying, I'm not just going to forget this after a time. He's saying, I will not remember this. That's the extent of His forgiveness and His grace for us. But forgiveness isn't excusing. And so when we hurt others... It's never okay. And something really important to understand is when we sin against God, it's never okay. Just because we're talking about forgiveness doesn't make it okay. God covers it. He makes allowance for it, not so that we can keep doing it, but so that he can say, you are forgiven. You are free from the sin. Now, what does he say? He always says, repent, which is basically just means simply, I'm going this way and I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn the other way. And so this is what's really important today is that we're going to get to the point where we understand forgiveness is a choice in our hearts. But it's also something that has to, it's a two-way street when we're talking about true and the goal of forgiveness. And so one final thing, Isaiah 15.92 says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. And this is really important. The very act of forgiveness means something was wrong and inexcusable but we are going to do something about it. And so this is really hard. Sometimes in our relationships with God, we think, you know, I've sinned. How could God ever love me? We, we oftentimes, we either fall in this camp of, I've sinned and God will never love me, or I've sinned and I have forgiveness. Now I can go keep on sinning. When God would say, you've, you've sinned, I forgive you. Now repent and turn the other way. And so it, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a hard it's a difficult and let's be honest, it's not a normal decision in our today, our world right now. We don't forgive easily. We don't that's not our first choice, that's not our first option, that's not our first impulse. But this is a way that God forgives us. He's called us to choose not to hold a wrong against someone who's hurt us, just in the same way that he has not held our sins against us when we've chosen to repent. And so through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we find forgiveness for our sins. When we repent of our sins, God forgives us. He releases us from the penalty of being separated from him forever. And so when we forgive others, the ultimate goal is likewise, that we would release others from the penalty of relationship with us. And so think about all of the times that maybe a family member, a coworker, a friend— a loved one, whoever it might be, has wronged you. And in the past, and do you have a relationship with that person anymore? And so like this is, can be really serious stuff. In my family, there was a time where I didn't even know I had an uncle because of some th- issues that had happened in my family until forgiveness was chosen and actively taken place in the lives of my family members. And then the joy that has come from that is amazing. And so, for you, you might have things in your life. Maybe it's not something as drastic as a lost family member that you've just cut off from the family, but maybe it's like a coworker that you just can't get along with. And it's hurting your job, your future, because you cannot come to grips with forgiving someone. Or maybe you're in the wrong and you haven't found forgiveness with them. And so, this has so many real world applications and implications, but we don't often. Let it take fully root. We're, we're better at just, you know, I forgive you, it's okay. And then letting our lives not find freedom. And so question number two is what are the components of forgiveness? The first component of forgiveness is the decision we make in our heart to forgive. It's a heart component. So when someone has wronged us and we can't overlook it, when we've owned our part in it, like we've been talking about, and when we've brought it to their attention— We need to come to the point where we say in our heart, as much as it depends on me, I'm going to forgive this person. And you're ready for it. You're ready to have that that conversation where you can figure it out together. But as far as it depends on you, in your heart, you have to decide, I'm forgiving. I have chosen to forgive this person. And from that, there's so much freedom that can come. And so sometimes we can be tempted to say, I only want to stop there. I've come to the place in my life and in my heart where I've chosen to forgive. And I'm at such a peace with my life now. I have so much clarity. This happens all the time. And that's fine. That's great. And I'm not diminishing that. But if we stop there, then we're missing the ultimate goal that God would have for us. That we would come back into relationship with the person who has wronged us. And so the second component is transactional. And it's when forgiveness happens between you and your offender. It happens when the person who's wronged to you comes to you and says, you know what, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And so then all the cards are put back in your table and you have decided, am I going to keep the cards or I'm going to put them on the table and say, you know what, I accept your apology and I forgive you. And so this doesn't mean that then everything is a happy life. Everything's like completely perfect from then on. But it does mean there's ready to work and there's no longer a barrier to the relationship that is happening. And so just a very real, sometimes this does not work the way we want it to. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes the person will never be able to come to that point of saying, you know what, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? But in your heart, are you ready to forgive? In my life, this happened in the last year of my mom's life. She had a brain tumor. And so she started to say things that were just really rude to me and my sisters, really just negative things and not true things. And so we all knew what was going on in her brain. And so we didn't hold it against her. But we knew the pain that it was still causing and the hurt that it was. it's like wounds in the heart. And so you have to come to a point Where you choose to say, you know what, in my heart, as much as it depends on me, is I'm going to choose to forgive. And so my mom never came to the point, never had this like epiphany because she had a brain tumor in her brain. But she never came to us and said, you know what, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And so this is like the implications I'm talking about. Is I could be two years later sitting here still wounded, still hurting, because of what my mom said to me. Because those are real things. I heard them in her tone and in her voice, and it could have just got punched. For the, I could be holding on to this. But you come to the point where you have to come to your heart and say, you know what? As much as it depends on me, I forgive you. And so I don't know, this is really unique for my story, but it's like one of the only things I could really think of for me to really convey to you the power of forgiveness is that two years later, I don't remember those things nearly as much. I remember all the good times with my mom. I remember the good things. And yeah, I don't have the benefit of talking to her person to person now, but some of you do. And some of you Two years, maybe you're five or ten years later, you're still holding on to the negativity of something that was said or done to you. And that's a prison. Until you come to the point in your heart where you say, you know what, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to forgive. That's where freedom happens. But reconciliation comes when both people come together and you choose to forgive and you choose to go forward. Romans twelve eighteen says, do all that you can to live in peace with yourself. You know, it actually doesn't say that. It says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And so as easy as it would be for me to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life because I want to be at peace. That's not what we're called to do. Is we're called to be at peace so that we can be at peace with everyone. And so again, Jesus is the example with this. He's really good at this stuff. You know, on the cross, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And then after his death and resurrection, the start of the early church, Peter actually gets up and he proclaims that Jesus is the Son of God. And he basically tells a group of people that was there at Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus is dead and it's because of you. But he was raised back to life, and now he wants to forgive you. And so from that, you see the culmination of Jesus forgiving in his heart and praying for reconciliation with people who had denied him. And so what happens? From that talk that Peter gives, 3,000 people are added to the church. Because they repent of their sins, they realize they're wrong, they turn from it, and they say, you know what, we are now going to have a restoration and a relationship with Jesus. It's beautiful. It shows us how we can choose in our hearts, and it shows how we can reconcile with other people. And so as we come to question three, what does forgiveness promise? And so these four promises are super helpful in how we're going to choose to forgive people moving forward, but it also helps us understand, have we forgiven correctly in the past? And so these four promises are very simple. I promise I won't dwell on this incident. I promise I won't bring up this incident and use it against you. I promise I won't talk to others about this incident. incident. And I promise I won't allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. How many times have we forgiven someone but later... You're still traumatized or you can't trust people in an area where trust was broken. But we still say, well, I've forgiven them. That's dwelling on the hurt. How many times have we forgiven someone, but still, even before any action has been taken, we remind people of how they hurt us in the past, where we continually remind people, you remember what you did to me, that hurt how many times do we keep doing that, but then we come back and say, well, I've forgiven them. I've gotten past this. That's bringing it up and over and again. How many times have we forgiven someone but still told other people about the situation that hurt you? But we tell that person we've forgiven them, but then we go over to this group of people and say, look what he did to me. And we just keep repeating that over and over. That's a gossip. That's telling someone you've forgiven them, but actually you haven't. And how many times have we forgiven someone, but we still do not have any involvement whatsoever with that person? That's not choosing to break the barrier between you and that person. And so these promises I listed off, they should help us forgive in the future, but they can also think maybe there are things in our lives we need to fix now because we have a better understanding of what forgiveness is. And so... These things the thing the things we have to actually think about though, like to be like to give you a little bit of a caveat. This isn't a foolproof plan. There are situations when we're talking about legal statutes and areas of abuse and where there's the potential for continued harm. We still have to understand that reconciliation can still happen, but still consequences exist for things that were happening. And so forgiveness doesn't mean an absence of consequences. And so sometimes uh, forgiveness leads us right into the consequences that we have to face for the things that happen. Maybe it's something we did or someone, someone did to us, and there's real consequences that result from that. And so a uh, little wider example of this, but children and parents with discipline. Children, when your parents are disciplined, you, when, you, when there's forgiveness and you say, I'm sorry, and then you come back and you're forgiven, that doesn't mean that discipline won't be there. It's like how many times like students' forgiveness doesn't mean that like, you're suddenly not grounded for what you did. You can still find forgiveness, but you're still grounded. And that's just something, a path that you have to work through. But likewise, parents, just because you want to avoid an awkward conversation of discipline, don't use forgiveness as the key to that path. Don't say, you're forgiven and now I don't have to discipline. It's like, I forgive you, but there's still a consequence and there's still discipline for your actions. When you do things like that, that's peace faking. That's rubbing it, brushing it under the rug and just saying, you know what, it's okay. So forgiveness will free us. It will free our offender, but sometimes it will cost us something when we, that we didn't realize. Maybe you don't get to go to court, or maybe you don't get your pound of flesh from the person that's wronged you. Maybe we won't feel that justice is served the way that we wanted at the beginning, because we know that God is the ultimate judge, that God is the one who brings true justice. And so my hope though is that in a couple of days, in a week, in a year, in two years, five years, ten years, you're able to look back and you say, you know what? I didn't hold on to that. I didn't force myself into a prison of hurt. And of wonder and of longing for something that was never gonna happen because I chose to forgive in a moment and my life has changed drastically since then. And so this forgiveness will never be learned just by reading a how-to, or even if you just listen to these talks and you walk through them, you're not gonna suddenly be an expert in forgiveness. It's when we take what we've heard, what we read in scripture, and what we begin to apply in our lives and begin to practice out. Is are we gonna be people of forgiveness? Are we going to be people that when we're wronged, we've learned to create the instinct in our lives to say, you know what, this doesn't feel good. I understand this is not a feeling, but I want to forgive because I want God to forgive me every time I come to him and say, God, will you please forgive me? We expect it from God, but often we don't expect it from ourselves to give to other people. And so today, maybe the thing that we need to settle on is we need to understand and realize what God's forgiveness for us has meant. That we just had, if we just took an inventory of our lives and said, you know what, God, you have forgiven me of so much. I hope our love would increase for him and ultimately our love for other people. And so today our action point is simply this, is to ask God to help you forgive. And so going back to that story that we opened with today, If your sister and dad had been killed by Nazis and two years later a former guard from the very prison that you were in came up to you and held out his hand and said, How good is it to know that as you say, all our sins are cast to the bottom of the sea. What would your response be? And so she goes on as you read the story and she says, Standing there before the former SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So Corey thrust out her hand. And it says, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. And I tried, and it did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, maybe your prayer in regards to understanding forgiveness is to simply say, Jesus, help me. Ask God to help you forgive. And so I don't know what your specific specific situation is. I don't know if you have a need that's coming up in your family, that you have been wronged at work. Maybe it's something financial, someone's really wronged you. But my hope and my prayer is that you would ask God to help you forgive. That you would choose even today on what is this, June 10th, that today would be the day. You know what? Today is the day I chose to forgive. I got out of my prison of unforgiveness. And it doesn't even mean that that's going to be reconciled the way that we want it to. That's the goal. But as far as it is me, I'm going to bring peace in this situation. And you know, it's the week before Father's Day. And sometimes relationships with our fathers can be messed up and messy. And so I just pray if you have family situations, that this would be a week of forgiveness and love and restoration. But would we believe that today? Would we ask God to help us forgive? God, I just come before you today, and I just pray, Lord, that you would just meet us in this place, God. You know each and every situation. You know our heart. You know our hurts. You know the things that we're walking through and the things that we're trying to figure out. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just... um, touch our hearts, God, and just show us how to forgive. Show us those practical steps that we can walk in and believe in, God. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would do that in our hearts, that we would see the people's faces in their eyes, and God, in our hearts, we would choose to forgive because we've been forgiven of so much. And so I just pray, Lord, today that you would guide our hearts, put us in conversations that can bring restoration, put us in situations, God, that allow us to forgive. And I just pray for just an anointing of your Holy Spirit to go on each person as they leave this place. May they walk in your power and not their own. And So we ask this in your name.